Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. I am one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum, pronouns they, them, and with me as per usual, Lindsay Anderson, she, her pronouns. How are you? How's it going? I'm doing good. Um, I'm joined as always by my loyal sidekick, Peter the Drag Queen. Fantabulous. If this is your first encounter with Radio SGN, uh, Peter is a dog. Peter is a Chewini who is also a drag queen and is also on our merch for Radio SGN. If you go to seattlegaynews.redbubble.com, you can find all of our merchandise for all of the SGN. And you can be a part of history just by supporting us there. I do have a couple of things that I'd like to promote, if you'll allow me, Lindsay. I do another show. It's called The Scarab Archives. I'm only on the last few episodes. They have a couple of seasons before that. But it's a it's a podcast that is a sort of night gallery-esque. If you're, if you're into horror, it's fun. It's actually picking up quite a bit. It's got mm-hmm. listenership in like 50 countries. I play Cal, a non-binary, angsty teenager who got picked up on the side of the road by the main character. So I've been in the last few episodes. Um, you should check it out. Um... Yeah. How, uh, I like how your your natural instinct when you're getting a bit overwhelmed is to go into Kermit the Frog. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm part Muppet on my mother's side, I think is what it is. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm covered in a thin layer of felt. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> Lindsay... Sorry, as a connoisseur of uh, hairless cats, it it triggers me a little bit. I don't really know how to respond <laughs> to the thing you just said. So let's talk about <laughs> Biden, who was in town the last few days. You got to see the president. This is really cool. You, this is not in the paper yet. This is a Radio SGN hot take before it even comes out into print. So... We, we kind of did this last-minute Hail Mary move, and you got a press pass to go see the president. I'm, I, it blows my mind. This is such a big deal for me as an editor, and I, I'm sure it's probably kind of a big deal for you, at least. Um, I'm just really excited about the possibilities that this brings. So tell me about Biden and the whole deal. What was he even in town for? Uh, First, just to build off what you were just saying, to say that this was maybe the most important day of my life is an understatement. Um, I was entirely thrilled as soon as I got my confirmation email from the White House press pass people. I like went to the mall and picked up a pair of slacks because I was like, I don't have anything president appropriate to Mm -hmm. wear to this event. And then I showed up and all of these journalists were in like, hoodies and jeans and i was in a full-on pantsuit looking like hillary clinton wannabe yes i did see nate gowdy who uh does a lot of photography work for the sgn and he encouraged me to try to sneak up to the front of the crowd if biden shook hands because he said i looked like a nicely dressed high school student that maybe biden would want to talk to yeah shout out to nate he is the reason that we were able to know about this event um nate gowdy is a photographer for Rolling Stone most of the time these days. So um, I do want to say, Nate, if you're listening, really appreciate the heads up, my guy. Thank you. Yeah, Nate was amazing. Um, he gave me some good tips on just, you know, camera angle, um, the lay of the land, and he even let me use one of his lenses on my little camera um, because he was like, this is a way better lens than the one you've got on this, like, 2014 Canon. So, you know, stay tuned, dear listener. I'm super stoked that you got that experience. Uh, just from a, an editor's perspective... That's awesome. From, like, a friend's perspective, that's fucking rad. Like, that is so cool. I hope we can call each other friends, or at least friendly. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. of you as a friend, for sure. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just, like, I'm so stoked that you got that experience, and every time you, like, updated me on it, I was like, dude! And, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell anybody about it, because I didn't know, I don't know, like, how much we're allowed to break beforehand, you know? Yeah. It was so cool. And just to, like, be in the room, like, I mean, I was sending you pictures, but there was yeah. 
NBC, CBS, like the big journalist dudes. Yeah. And I was over here in my little pantsuit being like, yeah, I'm with the SGN. And we all dress like this all the yeah. time. Yeah. I don't know if you know. And I love that we have an acronym as our name now because like, yeah. you know, people don't question it. Like if you're from NBC and you're like, what does SGN stand for? I'm going to be like, what does NBC stand for? You know, yeah. they didn't, didn't give me that back and forth. They were just like, oh yeah, another main network. That's cool. <laughs> It's a um, huge step for our little fifty-year-old yeah. tabloid. Um, it was great. Yeah. I was brushing elbows with Karen from Getty Images. Um, hey, Karen from Getty. Yeah, shout out to Karen from Getty Images. She was great, super sweet. Um, I did get there incredibly early. Um, got up at five a.m. to make it by seven uh, for the press check-in which was mostly for those big press guys to, like, set up their massive cameras. And so I was just, like, walking around, like, taking it in. Um, And then what was really interesting was during the event, all of the writers, like, the imprint writers, were in the back just, like, writing while Biden was talking. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to record this whole thing with my audio and watch it and get my pictures. Um, it's really cool, but also interesting how they segregate the um, photographers from the writers. It's, the reason they do that is a lot of these people write, like, daily papers, yeah. right? We, we have that privilege of we're weekly. We only mm-hmm. really have to make a deadline once a week. But, yeah, that's that's really cool. So, yeah. But why was he in town? A lot of people thought he was in town to talk about climate change, mm-hmm. uh, especially with, you know, tying into our... Uh, last cover story about um scientist rebellion making a big splash uh with earth day because it was literally earth day that he was here and you know jay Inslee, his whole kind of platform is uh, climate change biden didn't say a word about climate change yeah um maybe he just forgot what he was gonna say about it honestly i don't know um, but he talked a lot about uh health um and lowering the cost for the american family um specifically regarding insulin. So uh, he was introduced by a mother and daughter from Sammamish. This girl was talking about her experiences with type 1 diabetes, uh, explaining insulin and um, the technology that she has, which is actually really cool that um, it like uses Wi-Fi to detect her levels and inject her with insulin without her having to prick her fingers daily. Oh, very cool. Um, I think actually Hannah has talked about a similar thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a wearable technology. And so Biden got up and talked a lot about lowering the cost of insulin, which has been skyrocketing in the last couple of years in the United States, um, especially because a lot of for-profit drug companies are charging like 300% off of what it costs to actually produce insulin. And a couple of Washington-based congresswomen talked about the specific impacts this is having on Washingtonians who are now limiting their insulin when they can't afford um, you know, the the amount that they need per month, um, which is not only incredibly unhealthy, but it has fatal effects oftentimes. So he was mostly here to talk about healthcare. Yes. He mentioned the importance of nurses, um, mm. talked about how they need to be paid more, but didn't really lay out a specific plan as to how he's going to implement that. Just kind of that, you know, shout out to nurses. Yeah. Um, and he also talked about the cost of childcare uh, because kind of this overarching theme was lowering costs for American families. Mm-hmm. Specifically in Washington, preschool can be more expensive than college tuition for mm. some families. He also uh, did briefly mention that uh, jobs are up, the unemployment's down, which to me kind of signaled that he may be getting ready to launch into uh, campaigning for a re-election. Uh, yeah. It just kind of reminds me of you know, rhetoric that Trump and Obama before him have used. Uh, Whether it's true or not, right? Yeah. I feel like unemployment's <laughs> always down somehow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's down yeah. from last week, guys. Yeah. So during his State of the Union, he talked about something that I got really excited about, where it's like redoing roads, basically a new deal for the 2020s, where it's like we're going to put in you know, electric car depots, we're going to be doing infrastructure, we're going to put people back to work for that. Did he mention anything about that? Yeah, when he was talking about uh, beefing up the job market, he did talk about 
electric vehicles and putting more people to work, updated infrastructure. Although, to be honest with you, I need to listen to my recording again because yeah. during that part, I was like really trying to get my pictures of him. After the event, I ended up being interviewed by, I believe they're a YouTube show or something. These two like white supremacist dudes basically and kind of a Jordan Klepper do you know who that guy is yes it was kind of like a Jordan Klepper style where they were like let me ask you a couple questions about why you're here and so I thought they were going to be liberal and they weren't and I fought with them for like 20 minutes and afterwards they were like you're really smart and I was like I don't know if that's a compliment or shit like I knew that did she (laughs) they asked about the SGN and their first thing was like they were like oh is the news gay and I was like, well, sometimes when it's a gay issue, this guy, I mean, I was like, well, do you support the LGBTQ community? Which is not something I thought I would have to ask people in 2022. Right. And he was like, no, I don't. And I was just like, okay, why are we talking? Am I going to get hate crime here? Yeah. And he was trying to say that he believes the LGBTQ community or the rise of homosexuality has led to the downfall of every great civilization. And I don't know how to respond to that. Huh. I was just, he was like, well, in Rome, there are gay people, and then it fell. And I was like, there are so many other factors, such as, you know, economics and war and famine. Yeah, similar to like what's going on with the US, Rome just got too big. And then the yeah. people in charge got too powerful and took advantage of people, kept raising either raising taxes or not taxing enough, depending on who it was, you know, like with rich people making laws that eventually led to them getting wealthier and then Rome as a civilization completely falling. And during the entire, I don't know, hundreds of years that that was going on, instead of making things better for people, they introduced things like, I don't know, coliseums, uh, cheap, easy entertainment to distract folks while the real things that were going on were just ignored. Uh, such as famine. Yeah. But they also had indoor plumbing. So, I mean, indoor plumbing could have also been the downfall of most civilizations. Well, it was it was just a moment where I was like, I wish Ash was here because I need someone with a vast <laughs> knowledge of history. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was a history minor in, in college, but I was like, I don't know how to respond to this ridiculous statement. Yeah, I would have gotten very, very into it with them. Um, so good on you for putting up with that shit. We've been talking about 10 minutes, 15 minutes now. I didn't even introduce the show. (laughs) It was Uh, a really long cold open. Well, folks, as you've surely realized by now, we are the official podcast for SGN, uh, Seattle Gay News. It's Seattle's oldest and best, in my personal opinion, (laughs) LGBTQ plus media source. We've been around since 1974, and guess what? We're going to a break right now. Um, (laughs) We'll be back with a really great interview with Dr. Kevin Wang. We're going to be talking a little bit about health and COVID. I know it's everybody's favorite topic. We'll be right back after these messages. Radio SGN is brought to you by the Washington Department of Health. The Washington Department of Health is partnering with Seattle Gay News in order to bring you up-to-date information about your vaccination. For more information, go to doh.wa.gov or cdc.gov vaccines. That's doh.wa.gov or cdc.gov vaccines. Presenting Translations, a film festival celebrating stories from the trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming community. From May 5th through the 8th, These virtual programs are available across the U.S. Attend our curated in-person screening May 7th at Northwest Film Forum in Seattle. Check out the schedule and buy passes at $3billcinema.org. Condor Airlines, offering year-round nonstop flights from SeaTac International Airport to Frankfurt, Germany, with easy connections to many European cities including Munich, Paris, and Amsterdam, and other worldwide destinations. Condor is also a partner and member of the Alaska Airlines Mileage Program. Earn miles on every Condor and Alaska Airlines flight. Enjoy business, premium, or economy class, and let your next adventure begin with Condor. More information on Condor.com. Condor. Born to fly. This is Dr. V. Hill with V. Hill Family Medicine, and I would like to tell you a quick story about my primary care practice. 
I had a patient text me about a cat bite injury to her hand, and she was worried it was now infected. I saw her in clinic that day, cleaned the wound, and arranged for a tetanus shot and antibiotics, saving her critical time, an ER visit, and hundreds of dollars. If you want to know how direct primary care can benefit you, contact me at 253-693-0071 or at VIGILMD.com. It's the sexiest time of year. This Friday kicks off the Seattle Erotic Art Festival at Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. A weekend of titillating art, sensational performances, literary readings, interactive experiences, dance parties, and more. 20 years running, this festival is always a good time. Learn more and get your tickets today at seattleerotic.org. Use discount code SEAF2022 at checkout for 10% off. Remember, that's seattleerotic.org. Joining me once again via Zoom, a fan favorite, if I'm not mistaken, from here in Seattle, calling in from his office, Dr. Kevin Wang, here to talk a little bit about COVID, a little bit about all sorts of things. But I think what's on my mind most is how have you been? How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm, you know, living the dream. Uh, I'm great. Well, thank you for doing the work you do and informing our community of what need, what we need to know about it, what we need to do to continue to fight for the rights of uh, of our entire community and supporting those who need our help. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, what I love about this paper is there's a lot of intersectionality in what we do at the paper. And that means I get to have all sorts of great folks from all sorts of walks of life on this show. And people got really excited when we said you were coming back on the show, not to put too much pressure on you. It's uh, it's good to see you again. Folks, if you're unfamiliar with the show or if this is your first episode, just a little bit of a history lesson. We started the show with funding from the Department of Health, the Washington DOH. And so our first four episodes were pretty much COVID-focused in terms of uh, discussion. And that is sort of where we're going to come from again today. We had Alexa Manila already speak. Uh, go back and listen to that chat. That was fantastic. So um, Kevin came on the show last year, uh, agreed to join us back today. Our first repeat guest ever in uh, almost a year of doing the show. So I'm just glad to have you. Yeah. So COVID, what is the deal? What's going on right now? It's uh, it's April. It's 2022. It feels like we've come through it. Am I, am I wrong? What's going on here? Great question. First of all, thank you for having me back. I, I feel quite honored to be your first repeat guest. So thank you for being so awesome. You know, I, like many others, had hoped we turned the corner when it came to COVID. And over the last few months, we had a slight decline, although the decline is starting to flatten, which gives me a little bit of pause. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens in the U.S. tends to lag behind just a little bit, just a few weeks of what happens in Europe and in the U.K. And with the new subvariants of Omicron, Omicron, however you would like to pronounce it, mm -hmm. it appears to be a little bit more virulent or more transmissible. And every time I hear it's even more transmissible than the previous one, I'm wondering how much more transmissible can it be? Although maybe the disease severity, I think we're still waiting to see. And I think a lot of hospital systems are a little bit weary and just waiting to see if it's going to, again, overrun our hospital systems, sort of make us go beyond capacity. And I think we've all seen what happened in the, in the previous six, nine months of having to cancel quote unquote, elective surgeries, which really did impact particularly our gender diverse populations. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to COVID, um, I, think, I think it's a little bit hard to tell. What I feel is, is an important thing to, to, to talk about is even though I don't have a crystal ball to say what will happen with COVID in the next three months, six months, nine months, what I can say is we do have measures to help keep people safe. Vaccinations still can help decrease the rates of hospitalizations, uh, can help decrease the onset of severe disease, maybe limit it to more mild to moderate. I know masks are a contentious topic and multiple studies have shown 
the, the usefulness of masks, if not 100%, but in combination with vaccines and social distancing, if another outbreak occurs, I think it's great. And we also do have limited availability of some antiviral medications to help treat those who are particularly at risk for severe disease, those who may have immune compromising conditions, who may be on immune suppressants, uh, folks who are older. So we do have options there, even though maybe the monoclonal antibody treatments may not be as effective for the Omicron, Omicron subvariants mm -hmm. that I think is still pending. I think long story short, it, it, it's hard to tell, right? There's, even though it's been a long two and two plus years. We're still finding out what's happening with COVID, particularly with its ability to mutate. Speaking of its ability to mutate, I've heard less and less about uh, subvariants and things after Omicron sort of hit the U.S. Mm -hmm. Do we know anything about that? What's going on there? I think this is one of those cases where it's it's a little bit surprising because with the other subvariants in other countries, they you know let's see you know see what's going on in China right now with another significant lockdown and they they now have this huge surge in in cases and hospitals are overrun with cases of people with um, with COVID symptoms and disease. We're still trying to figure out what's happening here, and I think because in the UK they've had a they've had an increase in the number of cases. And again, we tend to lag behind the UK in terms of what happens here. Mm -hmm. I think right now we're kind of on pins and needles waiting to see what happens in the next two, four, six, eight weeks. We do know um, that there, there has been an, an increase in cases in King County and Seattle over the last, I think, week or two. And in the University of Washington, for example, there have also been an increase in cases as well. So I, I don't have the data in front of me it's from what I've read. But I think I think we're we're kind of all waiting to see what happens in the coming weeks. So I would still encourage people to take precautions and to try to be as safe as possible. Absolutely, that's good advice. I'm wondering, from a non-medical perspective, from just like a I'm a political journalist. That's my background. That's what I did for a long time, an observer. I'm not sure even if it's a good idea. We're gonna go back into lockdown because of you know, economic reasons and politicians and things. But do you think we're heading for another lockdown if there's a spike? Or do you think that we just have to kind of do what we've been doing for the last year, which is dealing with it, adapting? I think King County and Western Washington may be a little bit different because I believe, if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think we might have one of the higher vaccination rates around. And so at least in our region, it may go back to having people wear masks, social distancing, whether it involves additional uh, vaccine boosters um, or completion of a series. For example, tetanus requires boosters. When we're kids, we needed three hepatitis B vaccines. So mm -hmm. we may not know the full series for, for COVID quite yet. I have a feeling if, if, if there is another surge, we may go back to some of those those measures, again, masks, traditions, and so forth, whether it involves a lockdown, I wish I could tell you. I don't have a public yeah, health yeah, epidemiologic yeah. background, but I, I don't want to say it, it's impossible, especially if the number of people who catch it and die, and it's a significantly high number, there is always that possibility. I can't say no. Yeah. I hope not. Yeah, me too. I, the reason I ask is, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, which was a huge hotspot, and they were coming in and out of lockdowns, and my mom's trying to get married later this year, and she's put it off long enough. I'm asking purely for selfish reasons, no other reason. So that's good to know. Let's change topics a little bit. What have you been up to since June or July of last year? What's what's new with you? Yeah, um, you know, interestingly, I couldn't spill the beans the last time we spoke. At the time, we were um, going to be presenting to Swedish um, our plans to... Um, uh, to, to create a, a permanent, fully funded LGBTQI plus program at Swedish. Oh, wow. Um, and it was approved in July of last year. We became a fully implemented um, sort of program at Swedish as of October 1st, 2021. So we have been active now for um, just over six months. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing, and I would like to call him my Director of Operations for LGBTQI Plus Program, Peter Manking. He is phenomenal at the work he does, and um, he really helped spearhead Swedish to gaining HRC's HEI um, status. So 
we were able to have all of our Swedish campuses qualify for HRC's Health, Health Equality Index, which is great. We have Maddie Mooney. They are an amazing community advocate and leader, uh, and they are hired in as our transgender healthcare navigator and just really provides those wraparound services needed for our Swedish patients who identify as gender diverse. And we have Vinnie Fox and they are our system educator and they are really, you know, in, in, with the work Maddie's doing, they are really doing the, you know, um, you know, the grassroots work at Swedish to go to each individual clinic to, to help, help train them on how to provide an inclusive environment. Can we do better? Absolutely. Just because they get the training, we always have work to do. We can always do better, but to, to know Swedish identifies this as, as, an, as, a, as a priority to be able to fully fund us for full-time people at Swedish to do this work, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, the work I get to do, I'm the medical director for our LGBT plus program. So we've rolled out a sort of a training program for our clinicians here to learn how to provide gender affirming uh, healthcare. So we just rolled out our pilot. Um, we're also gonna be doing what we call e-consult for our Swedish clinicians where when they start their journey of providing gender affirming healthcare, if they have any questions, they can send me a message and I can provide them a consultation just through our computer system. So patients don't have to take time out of their daily and busy lives to have to see someone else. And so really just trying to make it as accessible as possible for, for our patients. And I guess not to, I don't, I don't want to talk too long, but two, um, actually three things I'm really excited about. We just had our our annual conference and we focused on sort of a foundational approach for primary care providers and partnering with, with other sort of care teams and providing general affirming care to our youth and adolescents. So super excited. We just had it on April 8th. Um, and we also helped create two networks in the, in the Western Washington region. One was one's a network of general affirming surgeons. So we can build community and see what we can do to work together to increase access for gender affirming surgical procedures for our patients and a network of, of adolescent pediatric gender care clinicians, uh, including those from Kaiser and Polyclinic and Children's and Swedish and CMAR. So we're, we're really excited to be part of this work um, at Swedish and to really build bridges with our uh, patients to be community driven and led and to be a network and community with our, with our other clinicians to to hopefully provide as comprehensive services as we can. That's fantastic. Seeing a, a big hospital do that in a, in a big city, especially in, in such a time of uh, strife for gender-affirming care, and we've been covering it at the paper, obviously, because that's part of the gig, and it's, it's scary to see. You know, I'm mask-presenting, but I'm non-binary myself, and I have trans friends and family members that, you know, they aren't as lucky uh, to have that sort of push for gender-affirming care in the medical community around them, or even just in their own personal communities, you know, and the work that you guys have put into it is such a huge step on the West Coast, uh, and that's fantastic. So congratulations for getting that off the ground. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I, I, I do want to say, though, um, as exciting as it's been to, to do this work, we're certainly not the first, um, and um, I think uh, we, you know, we have an opportunity to partner with with University of Washington and Children's and our FQHC partners, Neighbor Care and ICHS, CMAR, Carolyn Downs, Country Doctor, all all those great folks. So we're not the first, but we're really proud of of the work we've done so far, and just looking forward to partnering with people. You may not be the first, but every little step really really makes a huge difference. So now we're gonna, jumping back to COVID a little bit. Sure. Um, Masks is a fashion statement. What do you think? What are we thinking? Because, you know, I don't want to look at my face most of the time. I'm sure other people feel the same way. Should we just keep them around? What do you think? You know what's really interesting, and, and I hope I hope my community does not yell at me. <laughs> um, so, you know, pre-COVID, I would go to Taiwan with my family, and the number of people who, who wore masks in general, mm. I mean, it was... I would, I would say nine out of 10 people in Taiwan wore masks, or maybe not nine, maybe we'll say six, seven out of nine or out of 10. Um, and I said, I, I used to, sorry, my, my, my people, I used to make fun of them with my sister when we would walk around, <laughs> I kind of feel bad. But, you know, 
the 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 utility right now, at least you know, as as this becomes likely endemic, you know, similar to the flu. Um, hopefully, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's a great analogy. So, public health people, please don't write in with <laughs> with comments. Um, you know, cloth masks for decoration looks awesome, right? I think it's. It, I think especially you know for for the for the statements I love seeing. You know. Um, Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, right? Absolutely, I love those statements. And cloth masks do offer, you know, okay protection, right? So there was a study done which showed cloth masks can, can, uh, can help decrease risk by up to 30% or something. So it's not bad. Yeah. So if you, if you want to use it as a statement, great. If you want to do it to help protect others and yourself, even better. Um, but just keeping in mind those, those cloth masks don't offer the same level of protection as say a surgical mask, especially if it's better fitted. We know there are gaps. So if you do the twisting of the ear loop thing, it, it can offer some better protection. And certainly not the same as the KN95s and the N95s, sure, but yeah. why not, right? A little protection and, and make a statement. It's very futuristic looking, I feel, you know, walking around with like your hood up. And I don't know, Seattle's also just a very sort of cyberpunk area it just love it very futuristic <laughs> i'm like oh yeah this is the year 2021 my flying car is in the mail i'm sure yeah got my mask on um yeah so that those are all the questions i've got for you today we just sped right through them it was great to have you on um i i feel like time is just flying by we have a little bit of extra time if you would like to plug any upcoming events or where can we find you online? Is there anything we can, uh, yeah, just go for it. Um, maybe a couple things to plug, but I also want to start off with this just to provide some community reassurance. Mm -hmm. um, in the next year or so, 12 months or so, um, our sort of Puget Sound region is going to hear about uh, a new branding for Swedish. Um, as, as folks know, Swedish and Providence are affiliated and the affiliation will continue to strengthen over time where now we are a single brand in the Puget Sound region, which includes the Seattle region um, and what we call Puget Sound Northwest, which includes Edmonds and Everett and Puget Sound Southwest, which will include Olympia. Um, but what I do want to let our community know, um, Swedish remains a, a secular affiliate, which means the care we provide now will not change the LGBTQI plus program will not change and we will continue to provide the care we believe our communities deserve and the, and the, and the needs they, they request. Um, so I do wanna just provide this sort of community reassurance. Uh, I've spoken with many of our leaders at Swedish and they have given us this commitment and will always give us this commitment to say, we will continue to provide the care as a secular affiliate. And in fact, I, I find our program will have the opportunity to inform, better inform, and to uh, continue collaborating with Providence to, to provide inclusive LGBTQI plus care where um, Swedish can really help guide and lead Providence in this space. We are working with Providence's Institute for Human Caring and their Trans Plus Working Group uh, in order to, um, again, re really emphasize the importance of, of providing care for the LGBT plus population. So, People may hear about it. I just want people to know, um, and we will continue to advocate and um, ask our community what we should be doing to help uh, support them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, a couple things I just want to uh, maybe uh, plug. So I know Utopia has already placed this information on their website, um, but uh, for those uh, who who access Utopia services? We are we did partner with them recently to help start a prep clinic, uh, in order to help uh, the the clients they serve and the community they serve to access prep. So really excited. So please check out their website. Uh, we're hoping to continue to work on um, as, as much community outreach as we can. So please be patient. We are doing the best we can. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's probably just one of the things I'm really excited to announce. Fantastic. Uh, do you have your own like blog oh. or anything you can talk about uh, on on that end? Or... <laughs> so Swedish probably is not very happy with me on this one. So I have no social media presence. I do wow. apologize. I know, I know. 
Um, but uh, wow, I, I, I wish I could tell you where they could find me. Um, just around. Just around. Yeah. Um, if, if, you, <laughs> if you like going to some of the restaurants, Taco Chuki's is one of my favorite places to go eat. Um, it's a good one. It's a, it's a great place. Um, so I, I do apologize that I have no social media presence. That's all right. Uh, Swedish has a social media presence. Swedish does, absolutely. In our show notes uh, for folks who want to go check it out. What's up? Actually, I, I do have something to plug if, if people want to contact. I don't, I'm not sure how, uh, if people can email you and then feel free to, to, to forward me the emails. Um, but Swedish uh, is also creating a patient and family advisory council for LGBT plus community. Oh, wow. So if you would like to participate, be engaged and to push us to do more and to do better, please um, email you. Reach out via uh, Instagram, social media. We are um, SGN Podcast on Instagram, and we are at Radio SGN on Twitter. Yes. So please, please reach out. And because we also want to respect the expertise and the time of our community members, we also are able to offer some financial um, stipends and and pay just to... um, yeah, respect your time and your expertise and, and your willingness to work with us. So please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Dr. Kevin Wang, everybody. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, always, always a pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. Happy to, happy to come back anytime you request. And we're back. Uh, Dr. Wang, thank you so much again Always a delight. Lindsay, I do want to ask you one of the questions that I asked. Masks as a fashion statement. What are your thoughts? You know, as somebody with a natural double chin, I really like masks. <laughs> uh, not going to lie. Uh, it hides a lot of my chin acne as well. Um, I think that when they go high enough, you can't really see the massive eye bags that I like to conceal. I've saved a lot of money on makeup mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm I'm pro mask as a, a fashion statement. Let's talk about the paper real quick. In terms of art and media, this issue is just chock full of cool shit. We have an interview with Jane Schronbrun. It's in the Sarah Michelle Fetters piece. We've got Kylin writing about queer as folk coming back, which I have no feelings about, but. Uh, people who were around for the American reboot of Queers Folk back in like the early 2000s, he brought this up as like, I'm not sure how I feel about a reboot because that was something that as a millennial was really, you know, it was big for that representation, even if it's sort of a soap opera situation. We've also got this cool art exhibit going on that Dan Lindsley wrote about called Human Animals. And uh, the photographs on that are from... Winnie Westergaard, who is someone that I actually know through a previous job that I did, and she also teaches photography at UW and is just a really cool person. The photos are great. The piece itself is Dan's first sort of foray into writing about art, and I think he does a fantastic job. He's been sort of our geek news correspondent. There's a lot of crossover there. If you really think about it, artists are just geeks with more craft materials. <laughs> it's a great issue. I really think you should check it out. But what I want to talk to you about, Lindsay, is you wrote about the international climate activism situation where scientists were being arrested for speaking out against climate change. You weren't at the event in Los Angeles, clearly, but I am so blown away. It's 2022. We're arresting people for something that every scientist in the world is like, hey, this is happening, and they're just bringing it to people's attention. What is going on here? What's happening here? Shed some light on this for Yeah, so first of all, I am with you there with the shock, especially the fact that this is like not a massively trending topic. You know, it's not on every single 24-hour news cycle um, is beyond me. Um, but I think that, you know, people have been pointing out that, well, they're, the government, the police, these institutions are trying to keep it under wrap. In Los Angeles, they sent 100 police officers in SWAT gear to take away these scientists that 
were peacefully protesting in front of Chase Bank. You know, especially when you compare to the protests in Spain where they were throwing fake blood on buildings. You know, this was a much calmer protest. Yeah. The IPCC, which is the International Panel of Climate Change, they're warning that it is kind of this top 10% um, people that, that have the wealth are also contributing the most to the climate crisis because mm. they are just benefiting so strongly from investments in oil and, you know, these these industries that produce so much in the form yeah. of emissions. They basically said we have three years to completely cut emissions or uh, climate change is not only irreversible, it's already irreversible at this point, but it's going to be catastrophic. And here I was just enjoying a day in the middle of spring where it's going to be 70 degrees right here in Seattle. And we get... Yeah. <laughs> Pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I assume that the death of all humanity is considered a con, right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, as my friend, you know, this is a, <laughs> this is a topic that really weighs on my conscience. Yeah, um, I think I sent you a panicked email last summer when climate change reentered my brain. And I was like, fuck, what am I doing with my life? Because, you know, for young people especially, I think it's quite damning. Um, I'm 22 and mm. I was raised on the lie that I could be what I wanted to be, grow up like my parents, have a family, get married. Um, you know, aside from the fact that as a member of the LGBTQ community, that becomes a lot more um, difficult. You could adopt. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's still this idea that, you know, if I pull myself up from my bootstraps, I can achieve this American dream. But what happens when in three or four years, these industries don't exist? You know, I want to be a writer. Yeah. I want to write for television someday. And what's going to happen when... LA and New York and these places where these industries are booming out of are underwater. Um, you know, and then I asked, right. am, am I wasting my, my youth in the last few hospitable years on this planet um, working when I could be, you know, driving around in a van, enjoying nature while I've got it? Right, yeah. I, I think about this a lot as well mm-hmm. um, because my philosophy degree was moral, political, and ethical philosophy. Before all of this and not being able to finish, you know, my bachelor's, I was planning on getting a master's in thanatology, which is death and death studies. And that does mean that as an ethicist, I have to consider antinatalist propositions, especially because I deal with death regularly, (laughs) right? So, like, the planet itself, if I don't know if this will help, one argument is that it will survive, but our species is the one that will have to adapt, right? Yeah. But humans adapt all the time. But we are also killing the planet by having more kids and having, you know, too many kids. But the corporations are killing the planet faster than the people on it. Yeah. That's my argument, because I'm not an antinatalist, right? I don't think that people should be forced sterile. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because that's that gets into some fascistic political stuff for me. That freaks me out. But at the same time, it's hard to be, you know, this sentient ape on a planet knowing that the people in power don't care about yeah. the rest of our survival. Like, every apocalypse movie in the last, like, ten years has been like, well, the rich people have an escape plan. Well, and they do. They're right. building rockets right now. Like, right, <laughs> exactly. Elon Which, Musk and Jeff Bezos. It freaks me out. <laughs> if they want to do space exploration, they can be building drones and things like that, like we do with deep sea exploration, yeah. if they wanted to. But they don't. They want to be cowboys. If they're going by Star Trek rhetoric, there's a lot of like colonialist stuff in there that they're totally abiding by that the newer Star Trek series are trying to like undo and be like, hey, we... We're not just colonists in space. We're also helping, right? (laughs) But that's the thing is like these rich people who grew up with that message and grew up white and grew up, I don't know, like Elon Musk in apartheid. Yeah. That fundamentally shifts how you view the world. So they think that the only way to do space is by having white rich people do space Mm -hmm. where they could be focusing more of that money on actually fixing the planet. Elon Musk really bothers me. He claims he's saving the planet, but everything he does is pretty useless. Yeah. Like, he was taking Bitcoin in exchange for Teslas for a long time. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin 
takes a lot of energy to sustain like cryptocurrency it's a bunch of computers running at full speed it wastes so much energy and it kills the planet doing it nfts i hate to break it to you (laughs) artists like they are directly linked to cryptocurrency and in order to have any value they have to destroy natural resources in a way that pen and paper just fucking doesn't yeah but elon musk is like well i'm saving the planet or whatever (laughs) is that that french or german he's south african he's south african but he sounds like a nerd (laughs) but but elon musk is like i'm saving the planet because i've got these electric cars Mm -hmm. like great are they solar powered no are they accessible no then it's not revolutionary and it's not helping anybody these scientists have it dead on is what i'm saying from a blue-collar, freelance worker, gig economy standpoint, nothing that we can do will shift the gears so much that we'll make up for those corporations. So all we can do is our best. That's kind of hitting the nail on the head of the whole issue. It's apathy, you know, and one thing that is very relevant in Seattle is we care about the climate as people, as individuals, you know, it's hard to not meet a Seattleite who doesn't drive an electric car or compost or, you know, what have you, you know, everybody is trying to do their part, but that individualistic part doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you only thrift your clothes, you know, if you don't drive a car, uh, because at the end of the day, it's these massive corporations that are funded and backed by our governments that are, contributing to climate catastrophe and these scientists are overwhelmed because for years and years and years they've been talking about it and bringing the points across but you know only to small individuals like me and you that can't make a difference i could go vegan today yeah but that's not going to save the planet it is however insufferable (laughs) the problem is also on a social level anyone who doesn't shut up about climate change on an individualist level is annoying. Like, we view them as irritating. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) No, it's not you. We have internalized, A, propaganda from the media that we watch that climate change is not a big deal Mm -hmm. and that people who freak out about it are wasting their time. And B, that, like, any sort of, oh, I'm a vegan, I'm blah, 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 they think they're better than us, right? Yeah. And as Americans, anyone who thinks that they're better than us is an enemy, even if we agree with them. <laughs> so it's like we, we have this sort of weird cultural thing going on where our idols are the mythological heads of these multi-billion dollar corporations that are killing the planet, and the people that care are seen as annoying and obnoxious and whatever. Well, and the corporate heads of these companies yeah. don't listen to the people that care. Exactly, know? exactly. And then they just... They're like, oh, we're saving the planet by switching to cardboard for all of our packaging. Yeah. It's a different color now, guys. It's not yellow anymore. It's green. (laughs) We're going green by using toxic dyes in our cardboard to signify that this is recyclable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Seattle doesn't recycle right. If you have a food that is in a plastic container and you recycle it without completely rinsing it out, even with all of the water that they could be using to wash plastics off, it will go to a dump. The systems that we put in place as Seattleites to make ourselves feel better don't do anything. And that is worse than Mm -hmm. full-on apathy. Yeah. That's just lying to ourselves. And you got it right there, that that, there are the people that you see in Seattle all the time that are lying to ourselves about... I'm doing my part and it's going to be okay because I recycled my quinoa dish. (laughs) And then there's the people that I think of, um, like a lot of my family in Spokane, that either my mom just doesn't think about it. She's like, I will have a panic attack, so I'm not going to talk about it. You can't talk about climate change with me. Um, Or my dad, who's like, oh, well, it's it's the natural way of the world and it's okay. And I'm still going to support these big businesses that are, you know, causing the issue. But in the end none of these people matter you know it is it's elon musk and elon musk doesn't listen to this podcast you know jeff bezos doesn't listen to this podcast and even if they did they don't care they're making money and they're gonna go to space and watch the planet burn you talked earlier about that guy saying that the queer community was the fall of rome this is the fall of rome the people that have the most power also have the most resources and don't give a shit about the rest of us 
that's yeah. I'm not the first person to make that connection, you know. Mm-hmm. Most people have kind of either accepted it or are like, no, we're better than that. It's a couple thousand years hence. We got to figure out something else. They just go on living yeah. how they're living. We are living and don't look up. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, what I think yeah. is so scary about that movie was even in the end when the people did look up, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing. It was <laughs> right. the president. It was these people. You know, it's oh. Meryl Streep's character. Um, but I genuinely enjoyed that movie because this is going to sound a little sick, but like I've been laughing about this joke for years. This is going to sound kind of selfish, but I'm glad that people are catching up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad it's in popular media because I've been thinking about this forever. And my dad used to make fun of me for recycling. He doesn't anymore because that's a dumb thing to do. But like I was a bleeding heart in middle school because I was like, we got to recycle, Richard. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, no matter what we do, unless these major corporations make a change, you know, we're going to have to adapt one way or the other to something else. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't I don't think that it would be the end of the human race. I do think we're going to see a huge revolutionary change somehow, probably for the worse and probably into a deeper sort of late capitalist dystopia. Because what happened when people were like, oh, there's not a lot of fresh water available. Uh, We can't keep doing like fresh water for cheap. Let's invent plastic water bottles. That'll solve the problem. We can sell them for three dollars. Yeah. Or like my hundred dollar water filter. Yeah, or like sunscreen that is now like protects extra against these types of UV rays or this type of radiation or I know that this is a bleak subject. I'm sorry that I seem to be taking it so lightly because I'm just smiling through it (laughs) That's because that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. There are things in this world that we can care about and there are things in this world that we can change. What we do have control about, in my opinion, is how we react, right? So you can become a vegan today and that will have... A small change but it might not be as effective as like eating a billionaire <laughs> there was one other point i wanted to bring up yeah. from this article it's from the section um where i mentioned different conclusions that came out of this ipcc report mm-hmm. and what i thought was really interesting is that they found that not only could it be sustained through energy to redistribute the world's wealth, Mm -hmm. um, not to go all socialist on you. Um, But not only is that possible, but it would be better for the environment because it is these massive billionaires that are hoarding all of the world's energy. And anyways, I just thought that that was really fascinating that this came out. Um, They were pretty much saying that, you know, socialist countries are doing better for the climate and um we don't talk about that enough i don't think i mean i talk about it all the time but this is sort of news to me but also as a student of history right this is not new Mm -hmm. kings and serfdoms were hoarding a bunch of wealth everyone was living in poverty while the palace was neat and pristine the crops were dying because people were shitting in their drinking water and you know it's this on a major scale we're we're looking at American oligarchs and I mean let's look at mythology right what are dragons they're highly destructive hoarders of wealth that were crafted by working class storytellers as an allegory for kings we're dealing with American dragons every day this isn't some Jake Long shit this is (laughs) this is Jeff Bezos hoarding all of that wealth and burning up people and and resources in the process that was a really good analogy right there thank you you were talking about antinatalism and i was like low-key i'm probably an antinatalist i didn't ask to be born and i regret every minute of it right uh (laughs) i my therapist is about to go on maternity leave and this last time i was talking to her i was complaining about the climate crisis and i was like it is so fucking selfish to bring a child into this world when you know they're just gonna die a miserable young death because of the planet and i was like i'm sorry about your son i'm sorry (laughs) sorry to bring that up and she's just like yeah i know well yeah like that's that's me to a t right yeah i have hope for the future that no matter what goes on no matter how the climate changes human entity will adapt Mm -hmm. and i think it's because on a base level all people are selfish 
I think that we want to cling to life even when we don't want to cling to life. Otherwise, I would be dead by now, right? Just like <laughs> I would have killed myself a long time ago because that's what my brain was telling me to do. But I'm selfish enough to be like, hey, I want this. I want to feel the sun on my skin. I want to experience things for myself. I want to be a writer in a world where people laugh at you for wanting to be a writer. I want to make art and live and breathe and bring joy to my friends and family because I want to do it. That's what it means to be human. It means that we're going to cling to life even in the shittiest of conditions, which is why we revel in apocalypse films and we idolize Holocaust survivors because they went through these things that you would have killed yourself, you think, until you're in that situation. You know, I Survived is a whole TV series. Survivors are our best in our minds, even if they're not the best people. We treat them like heroes because they did what they had to do. Humanity's gonna survive and it's yeah. gonna look very different a hundred years from now. Unless there's a nuclear extinction situation. But it's not gonna be pleasant because all of our resources are gonna be drained or they'll just be too expensive for most people to live. But we're, we're rats and scavengers on every level. That's all that humanity is, is a bunch of scavengers. And that's noble in its own way. Mm -hmm. I think that that tying in with queer community as well is very interesting. Because on one hand, I think that the LGBTQ community is a community that unites on the fact that we are all survivors. Mm. You know, in a way unique that other communities aren't. Um, but in another sense how much do we want to have to survive? You know, is our whole lifetime going to be just fight after fight after fight? And, you know, on a very surface level question, are queers going to survive in the wilderness? I, for <laughs> one, can tell you I will not. I, I cannot hunt. I do not radiate enough body heat to survive three nights camping. Um, I will be one of the first casualties, I'm certain. <laughs> so, If there is some sort of, like, massive electromagnetic power outage where all electricity stops i will be very upset i will be able to survive when the floods come and i drown mm. tell my story to the future queer generations please i met the president well i didn't meet him but i was in the room with him tell them that <laughs> i i think the generations of humanity will survive even if we're living on water world you know mm -hmm. and i don't know i feel bad about it but also like my concern isn't that the planet is dying or that humanity won't survive. My concern is that I like to keep living the way I, li I like to live. You know, I would mm -hmm. like to have land to live on because I think my kids should have it. I would like to be able to afford groceries. I would like to have grocery stores. Grocery stores are so fucking convenient. You know how bad they are for the planet? <laughs> like, you know, like we just don't think about that sort of thing. And no matter what happens, we're going to have to change drastically in order to, su to survive. And if we're not going to do yeah. that, we're just going to let other people do it for us. And uh, with that being said, I feel like it's time to wrap up Absolutely, podcast because yeah. I got to go to the grocery store and spend my entire paycheck on eggs because <laughs> the price of eggs is ridiculous <laughs> these days. I, I, <laughs> I get my groceries delivered to my apartment by someone because I don't have a car and it costs less. <laughs> Because it's through a giant corporate entity. I love that. I'm going to walk to QFC and say hi to Lynette. And oh. Get my ex. Shout, shout out, out Lynette. Lynette. Who is surviving. She is making yes. it work. Um, I genuinely want to see the day that the world collapses. But Lynette rises to be the next world leader. Because I think she could be. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Radio SGN. Um, we really appreciate your support. If you would like to, you can donate to the SGN. Uh, if you don't want merch, you can just go and click that Donate Now button at sgn.org, or you can go directly to anchor.fm slash Seattle dash gay dash news slash support. And uh, there's also, because that's an impossible link to remember, if you go to our show description on whatever you're listening to, you can just click it. It's right there. Um, you can support us directly. Anything helps, you know, 99 cents a month. Some folks can afford it. Some folks can't. And if you can't, 
just tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your Please. frenemies. And tell your family members. <laughs> because we're the most likable LGBTQ podcast <laughs> out of Seattle today. And we need to and eat. And we, we need to eat. We need to eat. I need to work on my go bag and build my bunker. And I just bought a new flannel and it almost bankrupted me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's work together to make the world a better place by making sure I know I can eat tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, support the free press. Support the support free the press. Support the free queer press. I would like to be able to start an apartment garden so that I can survive the apocalypse. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Lindsay, anything you'd like to say before we head out? Um, yeah, I just want to add, don't let our cynicism uh, keep you from buying our merch. Uh, because even though Redbubble is probably not great for the environment, nothing you do matters anyways. Uh, so get that Peter shirt, please. <laughs> hey, everything you do matters. It just might not matter for long. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been Radio SGN, and we'll see you in the funny pages. Radio SGN is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Lindsay Anderson and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was provided by TRG Banks and Jesse Spillane or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on SGN.org or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts.